Alexander Barkov is back, and we have multiple hat tricks to talk about, plus a busy weekend ahead. And we have our bi-weekly women's hockey segment with Eric Ayala. All that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could be with us today, and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Every Friday, I am joined by Rachel Donner. You could find her on Twitter at rmiriam. You could find me on Twitter at icewarsnyrvsnyi. Rachel, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday, and it's the last Friday of 2022. Went by really quickly. It's hard to believe we are almost at 2023, but uh, lots of great hockey going on right now as we are getting close to the midpoint of this 2022-2023 NHL season, and uh, I guess you know, a lot of hat tricks yesterday, and the, the the big news in Florida, Alexander Barkov is back, and boy, did he make an impact in his first game with the Panthers in a while. Yeah, you have to think that it's going to give Panthers fans a little bit of hope. You know, they've been struggling mightily this season, and, you know, we're down in uh, sixth place in the division and uh, completely unexpected right after the last season where they won the president's trophy and they've had a, a lot of injuries to worry about and getting Barkov back is absolutely huge and really just propelled them to that win. Yeah. And, you know, fourth career hat trick, which uh, ties him for third most in Florida Panthers history. And boy, he just gives that team a real jolt. And, Yet, you know, two other players also coming up with hat tricks, Mark Shifley and Kyle Oposo. Uh, Oposo, a little bit of a, of a surprise that he got three goals in a game. Yeah, good for him. He's a guy that I've always rooted for around the league. Just a, a really great guy and, yep. you know, is the poster child, I think, for nice guy tries hard <laughs> in the <laughs> in the game and uh so it's good to see him have a night like that yo absolutely and and buffalo playing some pretty good hockey as of late talk talk about a team that's hot and cold i mean they started the season red hot ended up with a big slump in the middle and now they seem to be finding their path again yeah and they're scoring a ton of goals while they're doing it you know they're game against Detroit winning six to three uh just their offense is is really getting going this season and it makes it a lot of fun to watch yeah and look we we have to do this and I know uh you saw it happen uh we have to have our weekly Eric Carlson update because he's (laughs) always doing something uh 50 points already this season for Eric Carlson. And as we said at the top, we're not at the halfway mark of this season yet. 
he just continues to impress. Yeah, and this is the best case scenario for me because I get to cheer on Eric Carlson doing great things because I've loved this season for him, but the Flyers still won the game in overtime. So uh, best of both worlds for me. And the Flyers actually just picked up their first overtime win of the season. Uh, they'd had seven losses up until that point. So just, you know, it was a weight lifted off Flyers fans shoulders that we finally got one no question about that and and the Flyers get it with a comeback and third period comebacks wow I mean we we had what uh four or five of them last night the Lightning Flyers Kings Senators and Coyotes all win with third period comebacks it seems like no lead is safe this year in the National Hockey League yeah, although I want to say with the Kings, they did give up four goals in the second period of that game. So it was a comeback of their own doing. Yes, yes. But but they did, you know, they did manage the comeback. And and L.A. is is kind of, you know, in that fight right now. Uh, uh, amazingly enough, just two points behind Vegas, although Vegas does have a game in hand. But you got a L.A. Kings 7-1-2 and two in their last 10 games. Yeah, it's a little uh, intimidating, you know, covering the Flyers. That's uh, their next opponent on this West Coast uh, road trip that they do at this time every year. So, I, you know, I think coming in to the Kings after uh, a really good win in San Jose, hopefully will help them, but uh, it's good. It's going to be a tough road. No question. Let, let's focus in a little on your Flyers. Uh and how about Tony D'Angelo, three-point night, and he is really red hot right now. He is. He's got multiple points in his last three games. And I think, you know, part of the thing when the Flyers signed him was to have this real uh, offensive push, right, and have an, a true offensive defenseman. We know his defensive skills are not great, but, uh, you know, we thought we would get a lot more points on the board, and it looks like that part of his game is finally coming to fruition. Yeah. And that, and that certainly does help the flyers going forward. Uh, and on the West coast swing, you know, you certainly need all the help you can get. How about Alex to making a, a nice impact with the senators, helping them to tie the game and then get the game winner. Yeah, I think that the Senators have had a, a real difficult season as well. We talked about them on the show last week we did. in terms of making a significant offseason moves that really hadn't, you know, had a huge impact. And Debrinkat was part of the problem that he just like wasn't performing up to expectation. You know, it was bigger problems, right, with the whole team, but he was kind of a part of that. And, you know, maybe this is something that'll turn it around for both the Senators and his game overall. Yeah. And, and you know, Ottawa does have a lot of young talent on that team and Brinkett being part of that. So you get the feeling, even if they aren't able to make a playoff run, that if the Senators' second half of the season is significantly better than their first half, that there'll be reason for optimism in Canada's capital. Yeah, I think so as well. And, uh, you know, again, remains to be seen. You know, this is one game, but right. we'll see if they can put a pattern together here. 
Yeah, and and you know, beating the Washington Capitals, uh, who have also been playing some very good hockey as of late, has to feel good for the Ottawa Senators. Yes. Uh, and, you know, talking about the Capitals playing well, you know, for us as uh, Metro Division uh, rival team hosts, I think that, you know, unfortunately, the timing of the Capitals playing well has coincided with the Devils not playing as well. Hmm. So it's like it's going to come from somewhere, right? It, it does have to come from somewhere. And boy, New Jersey has sort of landed with a thud lately. Uh <clears throat> kind of, uh, you know, they were so good in November and in October, and now they seem to be hitting the skids. Where do you think they are uh, in terms of, are they an elite team, uh, a good team? W where do you see them at this point? I think they're still a team with a lot of potential, right? Because they're in this, you know, young guys getting better and getting integrated into the team mode this season. And I think that that win streak, while it was excellent and there was a lot of good things there, their underlying numbers were still not great overall. And they had a, a much easier schedule in November than they're having now. And they're, and they're finding that, you know, they're running into tougher teams and, have an inability to find a way to win sometimes against those tougher teams. And it's just a learning experience for all those guys and they'll get there and, you know, maybe not this year overall, but I think that they're on the right path still. They just have to kind of learn how to win more of these games against tougher teams. No question about it. So we've got a lot more to get to on today's show. We'll have our women's hockey spotlight. We'll bring in Erica Ayala, who joins us every other week to talk about the latest news and, and things going on in the world of women's hockey. Plus, we look ahead to an exciting holiday weekend of hockey action. All that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. And now an important message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks for New Year's. A few becomes a few too many. And, you know, as the clock strikes midnight, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but now nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? You know, your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You could lose your job. You could total your car. You could hurt someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. It's to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead and get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. When we discuss women's hockey, we bring in Erica Ayala to, to join Rachel and I for this segment. And uh, Erica, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to chat with you both about hockey, just in general, but extremely excited to be a part of uh, this women hockey spotlight here on the Locked on NHL show. It's great to have you here and lots going on right now in women's hockey. Big tournament coming up. Why don't you fill us in on that? 
Yeah, for sure. So, of course, everyone knows that we have the World Junior Championships happening in Moncton and Halifax for uh, the, the, the men's tournament. But it was actually Ian Kennedy from the Hockey News that reminded me as we get ready for the U18 women's tournament, which will be it'll start in uh, on January 8th, excuse me, in Sweden, uh, there is not only a, a, a gap in kind of the, the tournaments where we'll go from world juniors to U18s on the women's side, but there's actually not an age bracket that is complementary to the men's world junior tournament. So basically what that means is that 18 and under players have to make their senior women's team if they want to compete at the international level again. And if you think about the, the path of development, under 18, you're in high school playing for travel teams and things of that nature, elite hockey, and you're preparing yourself for college. And so during those formative years and those college age years, there's no tournament for women's hockey players. So they have to be super elite at, to, at 18 to 22 to make the, the senior women's team. And there's limited roster spots there. Um, but also it's, it's really a missed opportunity for the player pool to have some players that are younger be able to continue to develop their skills in the hopes that they can play on the senior women's team and not just make a roster, but have an impact on that roster. And so I loved Ian's work. He has uh, for his own blog, he wrote a little bit more of making a case for that and, and the equity issue, but also for the hockey news, he came up with a few players that he thinks could be amazing in that tournament. If you think about last year's U18 tournament for the the women Layla Edwards from the United States was the MVP yes. although yeah she's a fantastic player one Love MVP her. just a great player overall has been tearing it up uh pl it plays for Wisconsin but now at the international stage if she doesn't make the senior level team anytime soon or at all because it's not a guarantee we won't get to see her play and suit up for the USA. And that's that's really a tough pill to swallow. It's the same for Jada Ginla. You know, these are some players that they're going to be, well, Edwards has already phased out. She won't be in Sweden in January. Um, but, you know, these are players that at 18 years old are phasing out of uh, the US program until they can, I don't know, you know, fight for a spot with Hillary Knight, Kendall Coyne Schofield, uh, you know, and Abby Rock. Yeah. And I wonder in terms of, you know, the path here, right? Because right now women's pro hockey and the PHF more specifically has been kind of the place to go after college if they're not quite at the elite level of, you know, that they would make their national teams, right? That the PHF is is where they've gone. And uh, most of these players go to college, but there isn't really an allowance on the women's college side to have centralization at that age. And so the whole international kind of system and the calendar would have to adjust if they added it in. 
Well, I think there's a few things, um, potentially yes and no. One is that the Premier Hockey Federation, really since it was the NWHL, has been mindful of the international windows. And that is because we have to remember that it was the United States entire team that came over uh, from the, at the time, the CWHL, and really started uh, to boon that Boston Pride roster in particular. So it's not that there's no precedence for having senior women's national team players, not just from the North American teams, but also from Europe. We had, uh, and other places in the world, we had Japan, Russia, uh, Austria, all represented in that first season. But I, I think that the, we already see disruption at the college level because I mean, Kayla Barnes, I joke around sometimes, but she's been in college for, I don't know, two Olympic cycles already. Right. Um, so, I mean, and so the, we're already seeing, and again, Kayla Barnes is one of those players that there wasn't a, a U20 tournament for her to play in. So she went up to the senior team and that's been effective for her, but maybe for her college <laughs> experience, would it be better if there was a tournament where she could still fine tune her skills and not have to take so many uh, literally years off um, in college. She also falls into that COVID uh, year where she right. has an extra year of eligibility. So I think that there obviously has to be some things that would change, but I really do think that the model on the women's hockey side could actually lend itself to this. And then you would see players like maybe a Kayla Barnes. We see her play not two Olympic cycles, but one. But then also an Aaron Frankel. Aaron Frankel has been on the senior women's team. And even in showcases against friendlies against Canada, we have yet to see her in action. This is a player that was crushing it in the NCAA at Northeastern. And we have not seen her play hockey at a competitive level since. Yeah, it's been one of the things that has frustrated me the most in USA hockey is getting to see Aaron Frankel in the net. Right. And so if there was a tournament between U18 and the senior level, does that give Erin Frankel, while she's in college, another opportunity to jockey for position so that she's ready and is given the opportunity to play at the international level? Like, of course, she's going to tear it up if she's playing in college. I think we can all agree that at any level, the level of international competition is it's different and it's usually more elite. So when you don't have that, I, I would make a case that Aaron Frankel is an example of what happens when you don't have international competition and it's going to be tough for her without that experience to get in net. So there's a lot of different things. We definitely have to sort it out. But I think another thing is that all of these entities at the college level, you mentioned the PHF, even the PWHPA are all talking about growing the game. We know that women's hockey is growing exponentially fast in North America in particular. And we're also starting to see that there's more parity. We're seeing it in world juniors. There's been a lot of upsets already, but we're also seeing that on the women's side. And part of that is because European countries through their national teams, they're starting to really advise their players, their young players to come to North America, whether it's on the men's boys and men's side and play in some of these junior leagues or through the college system. And so the argument that we wouldn't have enough competition, I really don't think international ice hockey 
is going to have that problem. I think you'll still have arguably a top four, maybe five teams, but we see that on the men's side at every level anyway. So I think the more opportunity there is and the more uh, that we really hold federations feet to the fire to develop throughout, because again, these are... IIHF is a nonprofit organization with the mission to grow the, the sport that is not specific to gender and they don't have to run a profit. It is a not for profit. So they can find ways to fund equitably all of these tournaments. And let, let's hope that they do. Now, you also wanted to mention uh, before we run out of time, uh, a, a new app coming out. That's right. So another way of growing the game, I mean, we were talking obviously at the international level, but the Premier Hockey Federation has actually partnered with an organization called She Plays. I've done some work with them before. And there is a fantasy league app. So a lot of us, uh, we put together fantasy teams and week by week we compete. But now there's an app that is sanctioned through the league and it's an opportunity to grow community in women's hockey. It's an opportunity to earn bragging rights. And that um, that was officially announced that the Premier Hockey Federation is partnering with She Plays and they will return to action right before uh, the U18 tournament begins. So the weekend of, I guess that's the 6th and 7th or 7th and 8th, uh, the PHF will return from the holiday break. And then on the 8th, we start with the U18 tournament in Sweden. Should be good. Eric Ayala, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. And Rachel, we have an exciting slate of games coming up this weekend. Four games on tap tonight. Uh, Which game catches your eye the most? You know, I think it's this Florida at Carolina game that looks really good to me. Obviously, Carolina is dominating right now, took over the Metro division. And we just talked about in the first segment Florida having a really good game with Barkov coming back and having an opportunity to turn things around and going straight into a game with a tough competition like Carolina is a really good test. And I'm looking for, you know, some momentum carryover from Florida here and see if they can potentially stop Carolina. Yeah, and, and, you know, Carolina on that nine-game winning streak. Florida, a much better team at home so far this year than on the road. Should be a very good matchup. Another exciting Metropolitan Division matchup, the Devils, who we spoke about, uh, in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins. And uh, the Penguins have been playing pretty good hockey a week ago. Now they've lost three straight. The Devils have lost two in a row, only two seven and one in their last ten Somebody's got to break out of their slump tonight. Yeah, I would put money on Pittsburgh if I was going to bet online and making a a wager there. But uh, I I just think they have it in them to recover a lot better. Although they could also be looking ahead to the Winter Classic and could let this one go by as well. So it's definitely an intriguing matchup. It is. And then out west, Edmonton and Seattle, a battle of heavyweights from that division. Talk to me about that matchup. Yeah, I think that, you know, Seattle had a really good run for a little bit there and then has been sort of streaky since then and, you know, has dropped to fourth place in the division right now. And so I think that, you know, these next 
games for them are, are very important to see if they can go back to the momentum that they had before. You know, they're still playing some pretty decent hockey for stretches, but they're having trouble putting complete games together. So I, I think that this, you know, next stretch of games for them is very important and it starts tonight. Saturday, 12 games on the schedule. And how about this one? And I don't know, you know, uh, about a month ago if I would have thought this would be a great game, but Buffalo at Boston, two Mm -hmm. Atlantic Division teams going head-to-head. Yeah, and this is, you know, the other Winter Classic team, right? And so will they be able to turn up for this game before the big one that's getting all the publicity? And is this an opportunity for the Sabres to really steal one against an extremely tough Bruins team? Should be interesting. Three o'clock Eastern time, Nashville and Vegas going at it. And, uh, you know, the Golden Knights right now clinging to first place, two points ahead of the Kings. They certainly need this game. I would think so. (laughs) This is hugely (laughs) important to them. And, uh, you know, I think that it'll be a really tough game for both teams. I think that it's just one of those matchups that you don't know what the outcome could be. Yeah, it, it definitely could go either way. Your Flyers are in LA. Good news. It's an afternoon game, so you don't have to be up super late. But uh, <laughs> what do you think about, you know, the Kings are playing some good hockey lately. Flyers seem to be finding their game a little bit more. Uh, how do you look at this one? I think the score has got to keep scoring for the Flyers. And, and uh, you know, we talked about it on Lockdown Flyers. Kevin Hayes has got to show up for this one because we need, you know, more than just the top line getting going. Got some intriguing games in the Western Conference. Minnesota and St. Louis, a good rivalry game. And, you know, the Blues can't seem to find consistency, but they're not out of it. And the Wild, you know, just... In the thick of things, but not elite yet this year. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, I think, again, this is a game for the Wild where the Stars are going to have to show up for this one. I think that, you know, Kaprizov and Zuccarello, I think, are going to be really key in this one. And, uh, you know, they have to match up against... Tarasenko and Falk, who's been actually playing pretty well for St. Louis. And so I I like this is a good rivalry that has, I think, gotten better over the years, especially since St. Louis won that cup. And, you know, the Wild are still trying to break out of that uh, Minnesota mild uh, stereotype and, and with, you know, uh, all the new talent that they have, they should be doing that more. And I, I like this game. Uh, I do too. Probably the, one of the more marquee matchups on Saturday, seven o'clock Eastern time, Toronto heading into Colorado to take on the defending Stanley cup champions clash of the Titans. It would be even better if Colorado was fully healthy but I think this will be a fun game to watch. 
Yeah, I think so too. And I think uh, Toronto wants to shake some of the embarrassment off from the last game. And so I look forward to them, uh, you know, playing a much more buttoned up game than they did. And then the late games at 10 o'clock, two games between the Western Canadian teams, Vancouver in Calgary, and then Winnipeg in Edmonton. Yeah, so I think, you know, Edmonton will be coming off a back-to-back and that game against Seattle that we just talked about. Um, So it it might be a little bit tougher for them. And Winnipeg has been playing pretty well. And I I think Winnipeg could steal this one in Edmonton. Should be a good one. Sunday, New Year's Day, uh, the Devils go out of the frying pan and into the fire. They go from Pittsburgh to Carolina. Uh, and the the Hurricanes playing some great hockey right now. Yes, they are. And, you know, obviously we don't know what their result will be against Florida, but, you know, they'll have a day off to think about it before playing. And um, I think that the fact that the Winter Classic isn't on New Year's Day opens up a really great schedule Um, You know, I would like to see the Winter Classic on the first, but with the holiday and bowl games being what they are, um, I understand why that is. But again, you know, it's it's a great, you know, you're just hanging out at home after having a New Year's Eve celebration. There's a lot going on that day, you know, starting with Carolina at New Jersey and then the Rangers at Florida. Yeah, that should be a good one. And and the the Rangers also trying to find their consistency. And, you know, having Barkov back, getting a little healthier, the Panthers will be a more dangerous team. How about Buffalo and Ottawa? Looking at, you know, two teams trying to, to get back into playoff races, uh, and they have to do it at each other's expense on Sunday. Yeah, I you know, I think that, that one game that we saw from Ottawa, right, with that resiliency, can they carry it through? I think that's a question. Uh, I I would depend more on Buffalo to come out, you know, guns a-blazing in this one because they are in similar stages in their process of, of getting, you know, back up top. And I, I think that Buffalo is slightly ahead right now. Yeah, I think they're a little bit ahead of them. And then the last game on Sunday, the Islanders in Seattle. Uh, Eric and I talked about that during our second segment, and we're looking forward to uh, our two teams meeting. Should be a good one out west as the Islanders start a four-game road trip. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Monday, the Winter Classic. What are you looking for from that game at Fenway Park? Uh, I attended the last Winter Classic at Fenway Park because the Flyers were a part of that one. And while I understand based on the layout, they've rotated the rink so it aligns with the green monster there. It's such an incredible venue. And, you know, even though the Flyers didn't win that game, it was one of the most fun experiences I've had watching hockey. Um, Just so much character there. And I, I prefer the game's the outdoor games and baseball stadiums for that very reason. And uh, I think it'll be some really great competition and, you know, some current active player legends in that game. 
Uh, my only bone to pick is that they have other games scheduled that day, which I think is not great, including my Flyers are playing that night. And yeah, uh, I, I just don't understand that. I don't like it either, but there is, I mean, what the, the winter classics in the afternoon, the other games are at night. So there's no games directly going against it, but I agree with you. I like it better when the schedule is cleared for that. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen today. Now make Locked On Sports today your next listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in just 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. That's going to do it for us. I will be back on Monday previewing the Winter Classic and bringing you the biggest stories from around the league with more of our local experts. want to wish everyone, including you, Rachel, a happy and a healthy new year. Can't believe we are almost at 2023, but the good news, lots of good hockey coming our way in the coming year. I'm Gil Martin. She's Rachel Donner. Have a great weekend, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.